pray. Father, I'm just so grateful to sing songs to you this morning. Just so desirous to be deeper with you, to draw nearer to you. Just to be so grateful to be alive today, to be able to experience the beautiful skies and just to be able to experience the beautiful voices in this room just lifting up their voices to you, God. We love you. We want to express that to you in song and how we give to one another, how we care about each other. And Father, I do pray that this morning as we open up the scriptures that we can be humble and and not uh, allow anything to get in the way of us to really grow deeper with you. And uh, Father, we, we know that ultimately you, you bring joy deep down in our soul. Uh, Father, we, we believe that all your promises still stand and great is your faithfulness. We believe all these things. We, and yet sometimes, God, life throws us curveballs and, and it tests us. And so, Father, I just pray that we can open up the scriptures and not treat it like a magazine article or some podcast that we're listening to, but just really, really let this speak to our hearts and our souls and, and help, help us to have a worldview that's shaped more by your scriptures than anything else, God. Please use this time this morning and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It ain't fair to be trying to sing and all that. And I mean, I got to get up and preach. I'm like, I was just fired up to, to be here. You know what I mean? Like, oh, wait, I'm, I'm supposed to speak. But um, we're here continuing our sermon series on Draw Near to God. And uh, if you're visiting with us, grateful to have you. We love it when uh, our, our friends come. Hello, something's up. I don't know what's going on. Are we good? I'm supposed to look over here? Huh? Are we, okay, everybody's doing that up there, so I didn't know what was going on. All right, there we go. <laughs> You can just yell at me. That's cool, huh? He's transitioning you up here. Okay, so we're good. Awesome. All right, there we go. We're trying to draw near to each other, the booth and me. <laughs> we love each other. Amen. There we go. And uh, so we started out the year uh, in January with a 21-day fast. And uh, we're trying to really, honestly, there's something powerful when you do without and rely on God. And uh, it can draw you near to him. That's how we're made. We're made to rely on him more than anything else. And really started the year out in fasting. And, and last month in February, we spent a lot of time on prayer and just drawing near to God uh, in prayer. And uh, how, how can we really draw near to God without praying? Not just praying for ourselves, praying for others, praying prayers of submission and, and really trying to draw near to God. And, uh, and today we're, we're, we're continuing the series, Draw Near to God, but we're kind of transitioning, kind of drawing near to God, you know, even when, when life hurts, you know, even when, even when things don't, don't turn out the way you want them to. Uh, you know, sometimes in life, uh, things happen, you know. <laughs> sometimes you get unexpected detours in life. You, you were trying to go this way and like, whoa, I got to make a, wow, make a change from the route I thought I was going to take, right? Sometimes you just flat out run into just straight up just crashes. You know, life just, wow, just, whoa. Who, wake up, who wakes up in the morning is expecting to get in, involved in a crash, right? Sometimes you got to make a U-turn. I mean, these things happen in, in our lives. And, uh, and today we're going to study the book of Ruth because uh, really in the book of Ruth, we, we, we realize that this happens in, in, 
Even when life hurts, we got to draw near to God. And Ruth shows us what that is all about. And, uh, and, and the, the interesting thing about the book of Ruth is actually directions really matter in Ruth. Not, not just geographical directions, but spiritual direction. And as we kind of look at just the first chapter, we're only looking at the first chapter today, hopefully you can be encouraged uh, to draw near to God because somebody in this room is probably going through a detour, a crash, or a U-turn situation, right? Uh, so I don't know if this is working or not. Let's go to the next slide. So a little background uh, about, uh, about Ruth. It's hard to appreciate Ruth if you don't know, well, What's going on, right? And uh, this is set in the time of what, it, what are called the time of the judges when uh, basically it was a time when Israel was new to their, their land. They had been freed from Egypt. They'd been given this land. The people were still there that already lived there. God had told them to drive them out. I'll help you. But they, they didn't really. Um, they didn't have a lot of spiritual connection to God. The Word of God wasn't really taught in the home. It, you just read Judges, and it's just a challenging time of really like moral uh, decay, you could say, uh, during this time. And, and one of the other issues is uh, they, would have, they would have these leaders. Like they would, the, the people would struggle. They would leave God. They would just totally mess up. But then they would, they would realize it, and then they'd cry out to God, and then God would raise up someone, right? To help them. Usually, though, only in a small area, right? So it wasn't really all of Israel getting helped. It was these local helpers throughout. And so some of the key passages that even gives you a, a, a feel for what Ruth, the book of Ruth, is set in, some of these passages, like in, uh, in, in Judges 1, when Israel became strong, uh, they pressed the Canaanites into forced labor, but never dr driven out completely. All right, so here are the people who used to be slaves. Now they're enslaving others. They're just totally not doing what God wanted them to do. Uh, in, in Judges 2, another generation after Joshua grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Wow, that's the status of, of what's going on. And the final verse really sums it up. In those days, Israel had no king and everyone did as they saw fit. It's hard to have a great spiritual connection when everyone's just doing whatever they want to do. So that's the time that we run into. Next slide. So the very beginning of Ruth, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And so a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his sons were Malon and Kilion, and they were Epaphrathites from the Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. So you're supposed to, if you, if you knew the original language, you'd be like, oh, this is interesting, right? Because there's a pun here, because Bethlehem means the house of bread. But guess what? There's a what? There's a famine in the house of bread, right? So if you read this in the original language, you would kind of get that. And so you're living life, but there's no food. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You have a choice, right? You can stay and what? Or you could stay and trust. I mean, you, you could. That, it's not like everyone just chose to leave, Right? So you can stay and go, well, this is, God brought us here. This is the promised land he gave us to. He, he already told us when we kind of mess up, it might get a little challenging with stuff like this, but, you know, maybe if we repent. You, that's a choice. This particular family just chose to take a little detour, right? 
And they chose to leave the kind of this, this area. And, and where they go? Moab. But for how long? What does the text say? For a while, right? We're going to take a little detour just for a while, right? You know, the food will come back. It'll get better. Times will get better. Sometimes you just take a little detour in life, right? And so they're just going to, the Bible says they're going to leave for a while. The problem is they're going to Moab. And if you even read Judges chapter 3, you'll find that the king of Moab actually put all of Israel in his area, they put, he put the Israelites into forced labor for 18 years. They didn't have a great relationship with the Moabites. And you can even go further back to find out when Moab started. There's a lot of history there. We only have a few minutes. We can't get all into that. The other interesting thing is the, uh, the, the name of Elimelech is my God is king. That's his name. That's what his name means. But his God is king, but doesn't trust him enough to stay, I guess. But so here's Bethlehem, and so they go on down here into Moab, right? And so let's go on to the next slide. Now, God is my king, Elimelech, Naomi's husband. What's Naomi's name mean? Pleasant. That's Naomi's name. Pleasant, that's what it means. So Naomi's husband died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, okay? Stop. Good or bad? Right? What are these guys supposed to do? I mean, they're young men. Aren't you supposed to get married when you're a young man? So why everybody, what's bad, bad? Well, the reason why it's bad, we don't have time to get all into it. Next slide. But, you know, Exodus... God had already told him, hey, you know, in verse 16, when you choose some of their daughters as wives for your sons, and those daughters prostitute themselves to their gods, you know, they'll lead your sons to do the same. This is God telling his people this earlier. I'm using scriptures that would have been known to the people up to this time. There are scriptures after this time period, but let's at least hold them accountable for what they could have known at this point as God's people. Deuteronomy 7, don't intermarry with them. I mean, just... Don't do it, right? <laughs> Don't give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, right? They will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods, and the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. That's pretty strong language. Next slide. Still a bad idea. Joshua talks about this, right? Don't do it. Don't intermarry. Judges 14, Samson, I want to get a wife from the Philistines. And Samson's parents are like, isn't there somebody from our own people? Why are you doing that? So this was known. However, next slide, you know, they took a detour for a little while, just go to for a little while. And they found these wives, Moabite women, going against God's word, right? And after they lived there, what? That's a long detour. I thought they were going to be there for a little while. We got to be careful. When you make decisions in your life, are you being drawn closer to God or farther away? This is, you could say geographically they moved farther away from God's people, but emotionally and spiritually the distance is well. Be careful with the choices that you make in your life. You may think, hey, I'm just going to step outside of God's will just for a little minute. Ten years later, a couple wives later, 
decisions start to pile up and you become the sum total of your decisions, which direction are you headed today, this morning? Ten years they were there. But then, unfortunately, the kids died, and their names are not great, like sickly and weak. And that's what their names really mean. Who knows? So here's Miss Pleasant, and she's got no husband, and her sons are, are no longer. Now, this is not a detour, people. That's a straight-up, your life has crashed around you. If only one of those things happened, it would be devastating. Is that fair? I can't even speak to the level of grief that I think she... I, it, I tried to come up with analogies. What can you say? Someone loses their husband and their sons? And in this society, when males really provided a lot of the security, I mean, it, there's grief, but then there's just hopelessness. There's no social security or some kind of program she can kind of fall back on. What's she got? This, guys, this is a crash. This isn't just a, a detour. This is when life kind of crashes on you. You know, so, so what did Ruth decide to do with her life? When all her dreams, all her security, all her closest loved ones are now gone forever. So, so, so when everything crashes around Ruth, where does she go? Next slide. So when Naomi heard in Moab that who? Huh. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. Again, directions. Not just geography. This isn't just a geographical change. So with her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she'd been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. So the Lord had come to help his people. That's what we find out. And here's the deal. This isn't just a change in weather patterns. Oh, the, the, the weather got better and the food was there. No, it's not just about that. Guys, we're reading the Holy Bible. These are the scriptures that help us understand who God is. You can't just read this and go, oh, this is an interesting story. This is a story, yes, but it's in God's word to help us understand the nature of God and what it means to live life. And here Naomi has a decision to make. She can stay in Moab. She's built a life there 10 years. Yes, it's tough, but at least she knows somebody. But no, she's going to take a U-turn in her life and go back because of the presence of God. It clearly says that. She understood that the Lord's hand was working. She didn't know everything God was probably doing, but she knew the Lord's presence was there, and that was enough to draw her and turn her around and make that U-turn and go to the land of Judah. Next slide. But here's the challenge. She's got these two daughters-in-law, right? But Naomi said to her daughters, you know, turn back, each of you, to her mother's house, may the Lord deal kindly with you. And this is a great concept that we'll talk about in future days. It's a major issue, kindness, this hesed. We'll talk about that later. But may the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that each of you find security in the house of a husband. Who's she bringing up again? 
the Lord. She's bringing up the Lord again, right? And so what do you notice? It's like even though her life is crashing around her, she still believes that, that God can show kindness, <laughs> right? I mean, she still believes it can happen for her daughters-in-law. You know what? Maybe God can be there for you. So you need to turn back, again, to the turn direction. You go back. You go with your people. And she kissed them farewell, like, look, you know, and they start crying, no, 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 we're not going to leave you. We'll return with you. Next slide. But Naomi replied, turn back, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Turn back. I'm too old. Look, girls, even if I got married today, even if I conceived tomorrow, those kids, you're going to wait until they're 14, 15, 16 to marry them? That's going to be your life? I can't. I'm done. I I can't help you. My lot in life is, is, is more bitter than yours. And you can say, see, she's so bitter. Ruth is just a bitter woman. Well, I don't know. She says, my lot is more bitter than yours. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, can't she face the facts? It's kind of like Abraham and Sarah. God's like, you're going to have a kid. They got to look at each other. Abraham, Sarah, you, you're a beautiful woman, but you know, you're 90 years old. You know, <laughs> I don't know how this is going to happen. Well, Abraham, you ain't such a spring chicken yourself, my brother. At least I'm not in the three digits, you know. <laughs> so does that mean they're, they're faithless? No, but like, like Roman says, they faced the facts. They were old. How are they going to have a baby? She's at least facing the facts. The, the prospects of my life are bitter. <laughs> I, I don't really have much of a future. So you, you guys go. You have a future. Go back to your home with your mom and your family. And, and you are young enough, you can get married again and you can start over. So go back, turn back. Because you know what? The Lord, is, the Lord is in my life, but he's given me a bitter pill. I think that's different than just saying she's a bitter woman. She's mad at life. She's upset. Yeah, she's upset. Is she hurt? Sure she's hurt. Is she angry? Sure she's angry. Is she probably a little upset at God? I'm sure she would be. Wouldn't you be? I mean, on some level. But she's working it out. And she still believes that the Lord can one, still show kindness to some people. She's still at least wrestling with God. How about you, brothers and sisters? When you get that bitter pill from the hand of God, how do you respond? Cynicism? You quit on God? There is definitely a, a spirit of this age that just basically says, God's there to make me happy at all times. And if, if I'm not happy, then something must be wrong. Something must be wrong with God because, I mean, I'm great, right? That's how we can be. We might not say it in those words, but it's almost like, man, you look at somebody and their life's going through a tough time. Man, don't you follow God? Man, why isn't life great for you? Wait, why is that supposed to be the way life is? That's not how life is. Next slide. They broke into weeping again. You know what? And Orpah, she, you know what? She kissed her mother-in-law farewell. Do you blame her? I mean, she, you know what? She's going to go back to her home. But Ruth clung to Naomi, clung to her. Right? And, and Naomi's like, see, look what Orpah, your sister-in-law, she, she has 
return to her people and what? Okay. She's going back to her culture, her identity, her people, her gods. That's the way of life she's used to, and that's where she's going. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you, to turn back and not follow you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Thus and more may the Lord do to me if anything but death parts me from you. And all you can say to that is, wow. This is one of the most intense moments, I think, in relationship of all. And in Scripture, when there's a relationship going on, this is one of the most intense moments, isn't it? It's almost like Ruth's like, look, my life is over. Go away. <laughs> I have no life. I'm done. And it's almost literally like, like, you know, Naomi's saying that to Ruth, and Ruth's like, you know what? Know what? My life's over because I'm sticking with you. I'm giving up all my prospects. I'm staying with you. I'm not letting you go it alone. And he's like, whoa, what is, what is she thinking? Ruth, what are you thinking? Are you crazy? But what's at the core of this decision? I believe is God. I believe, I totally believe that God factors in Ruth's decision here. And she, she's not just making a geographic decision to go with Ruth, I mean, to go with Naomi. She's not, it's not just a geographic decision. It is a spiritual decision, and she knows it. It's not about God's. It's about the one God, Yahweh. She wouldn't even know. She wouldn't even understand that. How did she, how did she know that? I got to believe she's staring right at Naomi. She's got to be looking at Naomi and going, Naomi, why wouldn't you just curse your God? Why not? Why, what has your God done for you? But she sees Naomi wrestling, I think. Still trying to process things, even in her bitterness. And, and I think that had something, somewhat of an effect on, on Ruth. And here's the deal. Ruth could have said, she could have said, Naomi, I'm with you. I'm leaving with you. And when, and when you know, I'm there, where you live, I'll live. Your gods will be my God. But here's the deal. She could have said, I'll be there till the very end. She could have said, basically, like, when you die, then I'll go back to my people. I mean, and, and that would have been, you would have been like, wow, what a great person. Like, Ruth, that's amazing that you would go and be with her until she died, take care of her, and then you go back and you do your life. She doesn't say that. She says, even when you die, I'm still going to be there serving your God. This is, this is powerful. And then come to think of it, think about this. Ruth is a widow. She's got her own pain. She's struggling with her own shock and dealing with her own situation. And yet she's willing to still give. What about you? What about me? Are we giving even when we're hurting? And here's the other crazy thing. Ruth is not even in the church. This is one of the most faithful statements ever made. And she's not even an Israelite. Isn't it crazy sometimes, you know, me? We, sometimes we think, you know, that first of all, sometimes we think we have to be so perfect to draw people to, to a relationship with God. 
You know, like sometimes we think, man, my life is, I'm just not doing great spiritually. What kind of example am I really? I, I can't really help anybody. I don't know how you could be in much worse shape than Naomi. But look at somehow because she still drew near to God. You can say whatever you want to say about Naomi, but when life is crashing all around her, she's still moving in the direction of God. She's still drawing near to God. She might be confused, bitter, angry, and all, but she's still moving in the direction of God. And look what the impact she has on Ruth. And Ruth goes in the same direction. Stop trying to think you got to have it all together to help be a great ambassador for God. People will respond even in your junk. You can still help people know who God is. It's how you handle the junk, the crashes, the detours, the U-turns of your life. How are you going to handle them? Cynicism, bitterness, or are you going to still go closer to God even when you don't have all the answers, even when life hurts? And I believe that's what produces a moment like this that's unbelievable. Go to two slides, guys. So, so the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. So when they get there, the whole town is turned, right? Because of them. Hey, is that Naomi? Whoa, she was all, she was all that when she left. Where, where's her husband? Where's her kid? What's up? Who's that with her? She's, what is she wearing? The, the, what are the, who is that? She's a Moabite. Her kids married a Moabite. They are so unspiritual. That's probably why God did it. You ever been that way? You look at somebody's life? Their kids aren't faithful. Probably are terrible parents. They're not married yet. They must be doing something wrong. Man, we can make our own little judgments, right? People get all stirred up. Are you one of those people that stir things up? Making your little judgments on people because you just got it all figured out? You got to be careful with that stuff, right? So they walk into town and people are talking. People are talking, right? Next slide. <clears throat> I appreciate, you know, I appreciate Naomi, man. She's, <laughs> she's straight up. She's like, kind of like sometimes when Jesus would be like, he, he knows what you're saying. He's just going to deal with it, you know? I appreciate Naomi. At least she talks about it. You know what? Don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter is basically what she's saying. Because the Almighty, once again, at least she's saying, I believe God is at work in my life. It's bitter. It's not a time of feasting. It's a time of fasting in my life. But I'm going to at least acknowledge that God is working. Okay? Yes, I'm going through a terrible time, but God is working. He's given me something, but it's the bread of affliction right now. But I know it's from God. Because what's her option? God doesn't exist? No. Or just God's got it out for her and it's cruel? That is an option, but she's not trying to go there. She's processing. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. And you know what, guys? Sometimes that's exactly the place God wants us to be. Sometimes we just got to be brought to emptiness. And it stinks. And we hate that. But sometimes we just get too happy with a full life and a full heart. And sometimes we just need to be emptied. And that's, again, but will we draw near to God or not? 
So why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. And so Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite. The, the writer here is making sure you know the situation. All right? But they come when? When are they getting there? Is that a good thing after a famine? Uh, you're supposed to go, yeah. I know we only know food by going to Publix. We don't understand how to get our own food. All right? But our harvest is good. So there's hope, right? The, the, at the end of this first chapter, there is hope. And when I was, you know, researching one of the, um, one of the guys that he mentioned a, uh, a song, and I wanted to close out because I thought, you know what, that's so true. Next slide, guys. <clears throat> you know this song, God Moves in a Mysterious Way? Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take, Right? The clouds you so much dread. We hate clouds. Why? What's in the cloud? And we hate rain, right? We just want sunny days every day. So we kind of hate the clouds, right? We dread them. But you know what? Those clouds, they're big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Right? Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust in him for his grace. You're not going to figure things out by your sight, your sound, your hearing. That's not going to do it. You're not going to detect the things you need to with your physical senses, right? And behind a frowning providence, things that happen in your life might seem like a frown, like God's not happy or this situation's not happy, but he hides a smiling face behind it, all right? Next slide. His purposes will ripen fast, just like fruit, right? But if you pull the fruit before it's ripe, not good. It unfolds every hour. The bud may have a what? Mara. Don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. I mean, that's how we got to look at life. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. When you don't believe, you just, God's not at work. <laughs> What's the point? Or God's terrible. You're not going to get it. God is his own interpreter. He will make it plain. He will. He will make it plain. And I hope that this first chapter of Ruth can help us to not get bitter at God even when life is bitter. And how even when life hurts, we can still draw near to him. It's still possible to draw nearer and nearer to God even when life hurts. And who, what a better example, but right before, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. Who gives us a better example of that than Jesus? Who, who, who could still hang on that cross and say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But not have bitterness in his heart. But still be willing to pray for people and die for people and give himself up. That's who we've got to be in this world. Don't be broken by the crashes of our lives. Let's let those draw us near to God, just like Jesus did. So let's pray. Father, we come to you in prayer, and we, we pray that this example that we see in, in Naomi and, and Ruth are, are really precursors to how Jesus was. and He could take the challenges in life, the lack of faith, the betrayal by close friends, the physical pain, and still have a heart to love others. 
Father, we remember that about Jesus, and we see that even in that first chapter of Ruth. So help us this morning to not just have the mindset or the heart to come and hear something and just let it ping around in our mind and say, oh, that was interesting, but Father, help, help this time to really move our hearts and help us to grow closer to you. And we thank you that we have the example of Ruth, Naomi, and Jesus, who really fulfills all of your teachings in powerful ways. So we take this bread that represents his body, and we're going to drink this juice that represents the blood he shed for us. And we proclaim that we believe that he is your son, Father, and that he is risen and he will return. And we look forward to that day. In his name we pray. Amen.